most Hello and welcome to episode 66 of What Most People Think, an episode which I've got to be honest, very, very nearly didn't happen this week because I was supposed to have a special guest, right? I did the interview, I edited it, I was really careful with it because he's a really great guest who I am going to have back on, so I'm not going to say because I don't want to uh, jinx it for next time, but uh, it fucked up. The computer fucked me up and I know that all you IT nerds out there are already thinking well computers don't fuck up Jeff computers do it's human error no it wasn't okay I I don't know man when computers just do inexplicable things I can go very quickly to being the same kind of bloke that thinks that this vaccine is going to be microchipped straight away I was like this has got something against me what's happening is the computer turned on me is it because it, is it because it all, all the dark porn I've made it watch <laughs> over the years but look you know i have to get this podcast out i've got clients babe i've got clients this is part of the yet again i always love mentioning the benefit of the patreon community which keeps it weekly and ad free so give give me a bit of latitude is all i'm saying i because i thought i had a podcast i stayed up till midnight last night i'm doing that thing again another week where i'm sounding like my mum just guilt tripping i stayed up i stayed up late and this family you're just coming here like a hotel you come and go as you please did you, ever, did you ever have that with your mum where your mum would just like, if your mum was a housewife like mine was for the, the sort of like uh, from when I was about 13 onwards, she when they just go on strike and then the family just go, uh, no, you're the you're the wife, you've got to do this. <laughs> Even the daughters and sisters are like, well, what else are you going to do? My mum would have every once in a while she'd go on strike and we'd go, well you're the one that gives most of a shit about the house looking nice. And let's be honest, even though it's unfair, if family and friends come around, if it's a shithole, they're going to judge you. So um, get the mop and stop fucking me. <laughs> oh, I'm pushing my luck this week. By the way, in terms of pushing my luck, I, I put a, a video, a stand-up set on YouTube. If you haven't gone to my YouTube channel, subscribe. Uh, it's it's basically, it's from my last tour, but I, I, I realised there was like a 14-minute bit of me just talking about gender and women and men and all that stuff. So I thought it'd be fun to uh, stick it on YouTube. So give that uh, a, a watch. And uh, look, I'm, I'm going to try and be positive. I'm going to try and be positive. I had a stressful week, but let's be positive. We've got the Pfizer vaccine. It's coming it, does it work? I don't know. I don't know. You know, we're the first to have it. That That's one of those things that could be seen. First to have the vaccine could be, could arguably be seen as like first to, first to try out a new bungee rope <laughs> or first country in the world to have like robot doctors. But look, I'm not going to be a tinfoil hatter. I'll say, you know, my view, I've said this before on a podcast, is the people that really want it, can have it first. I think there's plenty of those people and the people that are really cautious about it can wait and see. I think that we can still reach herd immunity that way and um, I just I just need to be out. I need a bit of normality back. I don't know about you. I should, uh, let's make it a real positive. Let's, let's deliver the vaccine like in those Coke Christmas vans, you know? Vaccine is a coming, vaccine is a coming. But like if you watch it slowly, if you watch the advert back, you can see like there's kids and old people getting like taken away in the, in the lorry. Like, there's a real sinister big state undertone um, to it. I'm going to say a quick hello to the patrons this week who have this week enjoyed a 48-hour pre-sale of my brand new tour, I Blame the Parents, which when I recorded this first time, I was sort of thrown forward. But now that pre-sale's finished, but that's the kind of thing that you'll get the benefit of but the main thing is that the tour is out there. It's on general sale now. I blame the parents. April to May. Good times lie ahead. We're going to meet. 
We're going to meet in person. So go on Lives Nation. I'd really love to see you out there because obviously April, May next year is going to be warmer. We're going to be vaccined up to the fucking eyeballs. We're going to have we're going to have the immunity of like a Marvel Avengers superhero or, or something. At least that's the the idea. But as ever, I always say hello to new patrons. So ten pounds this week. Carl Proud. Hello, Carl Proud. It's a solid name. Although I often think that names like that, like when you're not. When you're not doing good things in your life, it must be a hard name to wear. Do you know what I mean? If you're like, if you're there just uh, up to <laughs> up to no good in Amsterdam, you know what I mean? You've got hookers all around you. You've got a pound of heroin in your backpack and going, Carl Proud, is it Carl Proud today? You know? Oh, that must be a nightmare if the old bills stop you. You know, if you're on your phone going, excuse me, sir, do you realise that uh, that you were texting, which is against the law? What is your name, sir? Carl Proud. Oh, Mr. Proud, is it? Oh, <laughs> we got one here, mate. Mr. Proud, you feeling proud today, Mr. Proud? Uh, just give me the ticket and fuck off. Um, Jason Crockett. Jason Crockett, Mr. Are you, are you married, Jason? Mr. and Mrs. Crockett. You sound like sort of characters from uh, Roald Dahl. <laughs> Roald Dahl, but Mr. and Mrs. Crockett in there, who lived at number 11, and they made a pecan pie which tasted like it came from heaven. And uh, another £10 patron, Nick Elkin. I don't know if he's related to Gary Elkin or was it Gary Elkins? A left back for Wimbledon in the early 90s. I think I win. I don't know if anyone else plays this game of just randomly mentioning the most obscure 90s footballer that you can think of. Alan Kimball. There you go. Uh, we do a cuss count on this podcast, what most people think. Have I said? Have I even said the name of the podcast? I'm not. You're supposed to ID the show. That's what they say in the old podcast tips. This is what most people think. This is a podcast. Well, I, I think I've kind of covered it in the title. Um, so we have a cuss count, which is compiled from us by my good friend David Domain, and it kind of it, it, it tracks the flow of swearing, but it also keeps a beady eye out for new swear words. So let's see if there are any this week, as I read it in the style of final score. Bastard 2, Clusterfuck 1, Cunts 1, Fuck 2, Fuck's sake 1, Fucking 18. And that would be the one on the video printer that has brackets 18 written out in words. Pricks 1, Shit 5. And just one twat. One twat playing with itself. Uh, that works out about half a swear each minute. Now, I had a guest there. Had a guest at Ella Whelan. I had a lady on the show. Of course I'm going to be swearing less. Do you know what I mean? I'm a fucking gentleman. I think Ella managed managed one shit. What, you know, what a lady that is. What a lady. I was being a gentleman with just 18 fuckings and she squeezed out a little shit. So uh, a lot of people enjoyed a lot of great feedback about Ella Whelan on the podcast. I did have one email from uh, Rachel who said that she found her fascinating and, and, and very... Uh, intelligent, but also that she took issue with something Ella said about the reduction in the overseas aid budget and the intention of that money uh, to, you know, basically dissuade people in developing countries from having babies. She took issue with that. Look, if ever I have a guest and there's something you want to call me out on, email me at what most people think UK at gmail.com. Email me that about anything. Problems. I love problems. It's not, I don't want to help, I just I just love your problems. Uh, we're going to be talking this week, we're going to be talking this week uh, about, we're going to be talking about politics, catch up on what's been going on with the main parties and the Brexit stuff. We're also going to be looking at the illegal lunch scandal. Remember that, old Lawrence Fox? And Rita Aurora as well, let's not forget, but oh, mainly Lawrence Fox from the media's point of view, so we're going to chat about that. And then I want to take on uh, a cliche that I think, you know, another of these lazy cliches post-Me Too, this is following on a bit from last week, you know, about 
about men, okay? I want to take on this cliche that men or men, men can always try their wife in for a younger model. They can always just, you know, if they want to start a family again, they can just get a sexy young woman. I'm not sure it's as fucking clear cut as that. Um, so just before we crack on with the podcast in earnest, we always do uh, a thank you and a fuck you. I'd like to say a quick thank you to uh, Jeremy Clarkson. And this is the most clunking name drop I will ever, ever do on the show. Uh, I was working on a bit of TV with him, which you're going to see on Christmas Day on ITV uh, called It's Clarkson on TV. I mean, obviously, I was just doing a bit of writing, helping out. Obviously, it's mainly him. I was just sitting in there pitching in a couple of ideas. And what a fucking funny bloke, man. What a funny bloke. I mean, I was always a fan, as you'd imagine, but he he just made me laugh. I don't want to get... I just quote one of his lines. I'm probably butchering it, but at the end of the record, it's just great to work with someone that doesn't give a fuck. Do you know what I mean? And has been comprehensively not giving a fuck for many, many years. And at the end of the record, he said to the punters, because we managed a sort of socially distanced audience, he said, uh, you know, uh, thanks for coming out, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, it is very wet out there. So um, if you did come by car, you know, when you go home, drive as fast as you can. Just get back quicker. <laughs> just... It just made me laugh because in, in this age that we live in, in this age we live in, that is like a controversial thing to say, to be not projecting a kind of, you know, grown up view of the world, but just saying things because they're funny. So look out for that. That's Christmas Day uh, at 10 p.m. on ITV. And a fuck you to uh, middle aged women who work in shops that take far too long to finish a conversation before they serve you. Yeah, because obviously we'd had a month where we didn't really experience this. But you know, when you go in a shop, you know what I mean? You're going Clinton's cards. Or whatever. You got all Clinton's cards, Jeff, not Card Factory. Look, I'm, do- I'm doing all right, despite the lockdown. I can uh, <laughs> I can throw three and a half quid at a Christmas cards. Do you know what I mean? I might even go sevens. I might even go sevens on it and do one of the ones where you can record a little fucking song. But you know when you go in there, I just find this is like women maybe over 50. So they'll just be speaking. So you'll just be standing there like an absolute... I, mean, I realised over the last couple of weeks, one of my, both of my main issues are women making me stand around like a tit. But you stand there and they'll be going, yeah, no. So I said to her and I said, mm, yeah, no. And, and of course, you know, it wasn't even, I don't even know if she pulled that out of it. I mean, how do you even get that in a washing machine? Anyway, how can I help you, sir? And then they give you that shit eating smile, don't they? Like, yeah, motherfucker, you're going to wait to get your cards. I'm going to finish this inane conversation with my friend Mandy over there. I just, you don't get off young, but you don't get off young women. Do you know what I mean? Young women, they just, they get to the task, young men. Young men have become, young men, young men have become increasingly good at service industries. Like when I was a kid, like they were the worst people. If you went in a shop and you realised it was a bloke who's going to help you try and train each other, for fuck's sake. But now they're all feminised. Maybe this is one of the benefits of Me Too. They come over and go, hi, how's it doing? Have you had a good week? Yeah, no. I was like, dude, I do, I, look, I'll, I'll do that chat with a woman, but we're both men here. We don't We don't need to do this shit chat. Just... Uh, just get me some size nines of the tra- same trainers that I bought for the last five years and uh, and jog off, Twinkle Toes. Okay, so let's talk about politics this week. Who are we going to start with? Let's start with the uh, let's start with the Tories. Let's start with the Tories. Give them give them a bit of of credit, right? Let's give them a bit of credit. Matt Hancock, we've got the vaccine. You know, what I mean, yes, it's been a bit rushed through. And uh, yes, as I say, being the first to have it is uh, is a bit of a double-edged sword. You know, the American the American chief medical officer, what's his name, Fauci, Dr. Fauci at first, he, he kind of like, mm, it's, a, it's a bit quick. But we're assured that the only reason it's happened quickly is because they've thrown a shit ton of cash out of it, you know? Throw money at a problem. It always helps. 
So we're going to have this, this, this vaccine. The main reason that I just want to celebrate it for a bit is because I found it hilarious seeing the reaction of people uh, online. You know, they just can't. There's, there's people that are so used to things fucking up or criticising the government. They actually can't compute half-decent news. Because you could argue you might be very suspicious about the vaccine, but those kind of people that hate the government are very pro-vaccine. Just take the fucking vaccine, man. Just wear the mask. Do you know what I mean? Just lock yourself in your own cellar like it's a nuclear bunker and sacrifice your social life. So those people should be very pro-vaccine, but they, it kind of uh, blindsides them, doesn't it, when the government are actually proactive. And then Jacob Rees-Mogg come out and said that, you know, it was being out of Europe that helped us do this. Now, this has been fact-checked. It doesn't seem like that is specifically the case. Like, the EU could have moved at the same speed, but they didn't. That's the point. They didn't and they haven't and they won't because there's a lot of them that have to agree on stuff. Do you know what I mean? Like uh, it's that nightmare situation. You know what I mean? Like where, where you're just going, hang on, we can't, we can't approve this yet. We can't approve fucking North Macedonia. They haven't got back to us. Well, I'm, yeah, I know there's only seven people that live there, but they haven't got back to us. And I know at the moment the Remainers go, North Macedonia isn't even in, in the EU, Jeff. I don't fucking know. That's why we're leaving. I don't even need to know now, okay? I know which queue I'm going to be in at Passport Control and I've reconciled myself to it. Um, but yeah, they just they, the idea that there might be even the slightest benefit of Brexit. That's what's going to happen now, right? That's what's going to happen. If we get this deal, we're just going to argue forever. We're going to argue forever. Like, you know, in coming to America, where you get Eddie Murphy and all his old, the old fellas working in the barbershop and they're still arguing about who was better. Was it Rocky Marciano or Joe Louis? Hey, Rocky Marciano was the greatest fighter. Hey, wait, motherfucker. Joe Louis is the greatest fighter. That's going to be us on the EU. Anything now for the rest of our lives, we'll be looking to be proved right. And of course, you know, like even if we get a deal, there's going to be medium, you know, short term economic disruption and it will, everything will be used as evidence it was a terrible idea. Even though I think it, almost all leave voters accepted that there would be short term uh, disruption. Who knows, man? If this deal comes, you know, with a Labour, will vote for it. They're in another tricky situation, aren't they? Labour, they just don't really vote for or against any of the big issues facing us because they abstained. There was the the uh, tier system bill that was read on Wednesday night. You know, it seemed seemed quite close to the wire, that, to me. You know, it was, it was basically the bill was voted on that night and the tier system came into effect the following morning. So I don't know what would have happened if that bill had been, bill had been voted down where it had just been like... Scramble! You know, when you're in the playground of school, someone drops their marbles or their money. Do you know what I mean? Fuck it, do what you want. There would have been some weird vacuum in time where we'd all been congering into a massage parlour. But they voted on it and Labour, instead of voting with it or against it, they abstained. And I just think, I know that the onus is on the government to act and do things and take a lead. But the idea that Labour Party once again think that they can just sit it out. They just sit it out. You know, they're just they were constructively ambiguous on Brexit, and they want to both kind of, they they want to criticise the economic impact of this year and the fact that our GDP is among the worst of the G7 nations. There's no doubt about that. But equally, they don't seem to want to own the fact that they would have locked down harder and longer. I, you know, I mean, their only argument seems to be that, well, the, you know, the, uh, you know, he, uh, he's, his argument seems to be, you know, the government, you know, should have been more competent. That's like saying it should have done it more good. That's that's on the basic level of we all want that. We all want the government to be more competent. It's like, you know, when a football pundit makes a completely inane comment 
They go, well, what he should have done there, John, is uh, really should have hit a target. He should have scored. Thanks for that, Mark Lawrenson. You know, whatever 10 grand an episode of Match of the Day they're paying you isn't enough. Then we had the SMP, increasingly becoming an obsession of mine. The fucking SMP, man. The fucking SMP. They announced uh, at their conference. Weird that they announced it at conference, isn't it? It's almost like they needed to have a rabbit to put out of the hat. A £500 bonus for all NHS staff, right? Suspiciously round number. Always think that's weird. Just 500 A monkey! We are giving a monkey to all NHS workers. That almost started to sound like Renton from Trainspot, didn't it? So I went to see Sekbo in prison. I said to him, what, do you like it so much in prison you could stay? Did that sound like, did that sound anything like Ewan McGregor? You know, maybe I'll have to do, do Ewan McGregor doing Star Wars, you know. Maybe that will happen. They're talking about a series of uh, Ben Kenobi on Disney+. Plus. <laughs> maybe they can mix... Maybe they could mix Star Wars with Train Spotting, and it just maybe that was why Ben Kenobi was in the sand, sand dune so long as he just started doing skag. <laughs> choose life, choose rotting your life away, sitting in the sand dunes with the sand people doing smack off the back of a speeder bike. Ah, <laughs> oh, I amuse myself there. I amuse myself. But anyway, back to the SMP. <laughs> what a boring thing to go from Star Wars and Train Spotting back to the SMP, but. They what they did was immediately. I mean, this is going to all NHS staff, by the way. You know what I mean? Even those fucking procurement guys that are paying four pound fifty for paracetamol that you can get from sixteen p in fucking ASDA. They they're all getting it. The consultants, you know what I mean? The moonlighting, doing plenty of like boob jobs at weekends. Um, <laughs> they're all getting it. No distinction whatsoever. You know, I think we'd all agree. Nurses, you're not allowed to deny nurses anything. Nurses are in our current national narrative. They are living saints. Nurses, give it to the nurses. You, you, in any comparison of something that's overpaid is no, what about nurses? Nurses who, yeah, maybe nurses should stop fucking complaining and they should have become hedge fund managers. How about that? Yeah, <laughs> you looked at it that way. Uh, I don't think I have much sympathy for that argument, but you know the, what they then did was they set a booby trap for Boris, which was the. Um, they said, well, we hope now that Boris Johnson will make this a tax-free bonus, even though that has never happened. All bonuses are subject to tax, right? But the SNP don't care about facts. Do you know what I mean? The same people that knock the Brexiteers for being fast and loose with facts have fuck all to say every time the SNP come out with some thinly researched bullshit. What they were doing, what the point of that was, was they were trying to make, you know, it's we're, we're kind. The SNP are kind. We're morally good. England is bad. Boris is a cunt. I mean, look, one of the problems... I mean, what they tried to do, they tried to Alan Rickman, Boris, didn't they? (laughs) In Braveheart. That's always the goal, isn't it? With the SNP. How can we make the rest of Britain, particularly England, especially Westminster, how can we make that into some sort of Alan Rickman shit? And, uh, you know, but Boris is a problem in Scotland. People hate Boris. I know he's divisive down here, but I was speaking to my Scottish friends. I mean... Even Scottish Conservatives, he is not a good person to have around in the sort of environment of a potential independence referendum, right? So she needs she needs him to still be there. I mean, like, her biggest nightmare is that the Tories get rid of him. She has to go up against Dishy Rishi. You know what I mean? We Nicola there with a fucking helmet head hair. Rishi there, brill creamed up, nice moisturised looking skin. Um, <laughs> is, all, is it all about looks for you, Jeff? Yeah, maybe it is a bit. Maybe it is, but she's uh, she's desperate for this referendum to happen. I do find it odd in Scotland, right? Because 
she gets way more credit than she deserves. Yeah. All right, she's she's a competent communicator, but the way that people kiss her ass despite her getting stuff wrong, you know. I mean, this arbitrary decision to spend money on the NHS. What about the private sector that've been squeezed to fuck during this lockdown? Who've been squeezed not much harder than anybody that's in the public sector, and will definitely be keeping their job. What they've essentially done is like you know when you're on a stag do and someone makes an arbitrary independent decision uh, on the whip. You know what I mean? Like every, everyone's sort of still sleeping, hungover, and then uh, one of the lads comes back. Yeah, I was up early, so I took some money from the whip and I went and got some uh, luxury macaroons. Macar- fucking macaroons, what are you doing? Oh, just, just thought it'd be nice. How much were they? Well, it was, it was uh, 60 quid for the box. What the fuck? This should have been put to a vote, or at least on the WhatsApp group. What most people think. As we're talking, the Brexit deal is going to the wire. Again, it's always going to the fucking wire, isn't it? And we, and we know that they, well, there was hope that they were making progress because there was pizza delivered. That's always a sign that they're having pizza. I don't know if pizza is really what these people want, but they want to send out a message. What's the hardest work in food? that we could send out there. Do you know what I mean? Because if they sort of sent out for Beef Wellington, you know, they'll have contacts, posh people. They know how to get a bit of Beef Wellington delivered in the same way anyone from South London knows how to get a quarter of sort of weed. You're going to have contacts, but let's have pizza. Let's have pizza. And I thought, but I bet you any money it wasn't the kind of pizza that normal people have. You know what I mean? It wasn't one of those frozen Goodfellas one, you know, with the yellow sticker from Iceland. You know what I mean? Extra top. It doesn't matter with those frozen pizzas, no matter how much they say. It's just, it's just like a mama used to make. What, did mama used to make fucking cr- crunchy, crusty, shitty oven-baked pizzas? You know? Your mum was a shit cook, mate. It, it's like, just like in the restaurant. It's not. Let's just stop pretending this. Just just say, look, for a for an oven-cooked pizza, it's not bad. Um, is that racist? I don't know. The accent's probably racist. But if they did have pizza, they 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 probably having Franco Manca or some flash shit like that, or something that you know, like Pizza Republic. I hate when just those pretentious the Urban Pizza Cook or something like that. And it really seems to, you know the one thing that annoys me right is the way that it's going to the wire reminds me of a joke that was made by Remainers for many times. You know those Brexit analogies that people do, those genius Brexit analogies where they say, but the thing about Britain is it's like they're leaving a gym, they're cancelling their gym subscription, but they still want to use the free weights. Okay, well, we are leaving Europe and they still want to fish in our waters. So I'm going to throw that analogy back on its head and say, look, it's like we've left the gym, but these pricks are still taking $4.99 a month on direct debit. How about that analogy, Remainers? Yeah, I didn't see that one coming, did you? It's weird. It's weird that fishing is still such a uh, it's such a big deal, isn't it? It sounds a bit... You, know, you think about all like the service industry stuff, the financial sector, that sounds like the level at which you expect to be dealing. But like when it comes down to fishing, there's something fucking medieval about it, doesn't it? We, we're there fishing these waters. We shall not take our cod. <laughs> and I know, I know fishing is a big emotional... Why is fishing such a big... It's like it's piss-taking, isn't it? Like, these are our waters. It's like it's fucking... You're coming in. Do you know what I mean? It's like we've got koi carp in the garden there. You're just coming in. You're nicking our koi carp. The difference is, I'm not sitting here thinking that the British government are the, are, are the unequivocal good guys in this situation. They're just my guys. This is my country. I need a good deal. And I think that whatever happens, there's going to be... The first thing that will happen if a deal is struck is that there will be people on Twitter within about a minute <laughs> go, 
going, this is a terrible deal. This is a ter-. like they know fucking anything about deals, anything about deals. Like they've had any chance to read it at all. This is, I mean, this is this is a terrible deal because they need to be proved right in the long run. And maybe you know, if we voted for Brexit, and we got Brexit. Maybe we should just let them have it. Do you know what I mean? And then, you know, if they get proved right, they'll be happy because, as I've said before, you know, being proved. Right, as things fuck up, is the most noble death for a Guardian reader. Okay, so just a quick hype here. First up, new £5 Patreons. The legend is Paul Batten. Victoria Smith. I think Victoria Smith might be a returning Patreon. This is something to check, actually. Whenever they do the pay run of this, it always bumps some people out because if they can't take the payment or it goes wrong, it, it automatically can- cancels their subscription. Some of you are probably thinking, yeah, you keep telling yourself that, Jeff. Not people have gone, fuck, did I, did I, did I sign up with Jeff Norcourt's Patreon when I was pissed? Fuck that. Um, but do check. If you suddenly realise you're not getting messages or something, it is worth checking and reset that up because, like I say, there's been benefits recently and there's a lot more benefits to come and then i've got another five pound patron tim davies tim isn't that that's the director of the is that the director general of the bbc is that is that what's happened is he sort of thought jesus it was really hard getting something commissioned with jeff i'll tell you what i'll just i'll just lob him a few quid myself yeah that's (laughs) that's what i think i'll just lob him a five a month it's still probably more than he get paid for doing radio the tour is on sale now. The show is called I Blame the Parents. I just picked that title. It is slightly about that, and it's about personal responsibility as a show and who we blame when things go wrong. Uh, but there will be politics in there, of course, and I just think it's funny, blaming people. You know, when you're a lefty comic, you're not allowed to... You're only allowed to blame the government. I like to blame... <laughs> I like to blame people. You, your parents, my parents. Let's just start blaming. And let's talk about the places that we're going to go. Okay, I'm going to rattle through these now. Shrewsbury, Milton Keynes, Bedford, Bath, Barnstable, Dorking, Leamington Spa, Maidenhead, Manchester. We moved those dates from the dance house to the academy. I'm looking forward to playing the academy there. Guildford, Maidenhead again. I was really surprised. Why would Jeff Norcott do well in the Tory stronghold? That is Maidenhead. Colchester, Exeter, the North Court Theatre, which they definitely named in honour of me. Solihull, love Solihull. Finished, I filmed my last uh, tour there. Solihull, Solihull. If you're from Solihull, you've got to say it as one syllable. Solihull. I'm not saying the dates here, fuck it. You can look it up on Live Nation. Nottingham, Monmouth, Peterborough, Verwood, which is a place. I went there last tour. I didn't believe it was a place till I got there, and it just turns out... It's in the middle of Forest of Dean and it's, you know, the kind of place they all fuck their sisters. So, <laughs> ain't selling no tickets there now. Uh, Northampton, Leeds, London, Leicester Square Theatre, London again. What in London? I thought, I thought some, an unnamed source from the BBC said that right-wing comedians don't sell well in London. Well, it turns out it's my best market. Uh, Birmingham, the old rep theatre, Reading, Lyme Regis, Leicester. And Bristol, or Brizzle as they call it. Bristol, the remain, the lefty, insane, loony, loopy left place. What a great face, place to finish the tour. Maybe it'll just be kind of like some onstage sacrifice as the Tories really have fully descended into chaos. Brexit, we are actually starving and I am just, some sort of baying mob uh, gets me on stage and then swampy, <laughs> swampy just rams a, a steak in my heart. And then they push me into the the river the same way that the the uh, statue of that slave owner went. Okay, I just want to talk now about the illegal celebrity lunches this week. 
you'd have seen it in the news, right? Lawrence Fox and Rita Ora both broke lockdown rules to have a meet-up with their friends. Lawrence Fox went on Twitter and was open about it and said that he enjoyed it. He made a question about whether the NHS is fit for purpose, if it's going to be overwhelmed. And Rita Ora basically got found out, right? So what happens is, now you might think, well, that sounds like both people did the same thing, Jeff. Both people did the same thing, except one was honest about it, one wasn't, one got caught out. No! It all went to Lawrence Fox, right? All the shit went to Lawrence Fox because, well, he just winds people up so much that their reaction to him is it's just, it's a bit disproportionate to whatever he's, he's said or done, right? And it's his, it's his manner. It's his manner. There's something that people find triggering about him. And look, I, there's some things he says that I agree with. There's some ways that he's sort of handled himself that I didn't agree with. But you know what I mean? Like, isn't that just a natural way to respond to someone? But no, online, they slam him. They slam the fox, you know. And all basically, the, the subtext of any critical tweet about Lawrence Fox is basically someone just going, look, I, I think I'm a great person. That's what annoys me, is they're not really telling you anything about Lawrence Fox. They're telling you about them. There's much bigger issues in the world right now than whether or not Lawrence Fox broke lockdown rules to have friends uh, have lunch with his friends, which, look, in this lockdown, I haven't done anything you know, on that level, but we all know people that have, right? It's happening. Meanwhile, Rita Ora, fuck, I hate saying her name. Rita Ora, Rita Ora, Rita, it makes me, you know, I hate it. It makes me pronounce my T's. By the way, I've been having a bit of a running battle with my wife about because I dropped my T's and my son has started saying it too. And because we don't live in London anymore, I feel like that's the only bit of heritage that he's going to get. So I'm sort of, I know it's terrible, but I've kind of got Because I say like little water um, and he started saying it too. And it makes him sound like a little geezer. And I like it, but that's not right, is it? Little water. But I don't want to fucking Eliza do little my own son. <laughs> but re, re, Rita Aura does this. Maybe that's why she did it. So we have to all say her name really slowly. Rita Aura, she did the exact same thing as Lawrence Fox, right? Except she's more famous. So she's more wealthy. She can handle the fine more. And she said sorry. And she said sorry. So she gets largely let off the hook because she said sorry. But what is the fucking difference? Seriously. She made the exact same calculation, right? She looked at it and she thought, nah, I just want to meet up my friends. I think it's going to be okay, so I'm going to go ahead and do it. You're not sorry, Rita, because because let's just say, if you'd have got away with it, right, what would have happened? Would you would you have just paused and then independently later in the week gone, you know what, even though I totally got away with that bit of rule breaking, I independently feel very bad about this, so I'm going to be sorry about it. Do you know what I mean? It's, you're not sorry. It's like the celebrities who are sorry about their tax avoidance. Are they? You know what I mean? that's, what, so, that's what I like about Jimmy Carr. He just got caught out. He went, yeah, fair cop, and took all the stick. Whereas these people, you know what I mean? Like fucking Gary Barlow is doing every BBC charity event afterwards. You know, I'm still a good bloke. No, Gary, you did what you did. Own it, for fuck's sake. And, you know, look, the question is, is, is it gets blown out of proportion, really? Yes, they have taken actions, both of them, in their own self-interest. I mean, yeah, in the case of Rita Ora... I don't know who she saw after that. If I mean, if she went away and did a gig straight in a care home, that's not good. <laughs> you know, she, she went and did a public appearance at Great Ormond Street Hospital. Boo, Jeff! Why did you have to go for a kids' hospital? I just thought it would be funny. Okay, I want to talk quickly. Last subject here before we do a couple of letters is about... Is about this cliche. I mentioned it in the intro that men, men at any point in their life can just trade their wife in for a younger model. Apparently, that's how it works. We, we're all that sexy. 
as men. We can just trade her in. And I, I really think that they're missing a point here. Is do you realise how little women in their early 20s are attracted to blokes in middle age and beyond, you know? When they've got the choice, you know, they're in the sexiest bit of their life. They've got the choice of all these kind of like firm, virile, limber young men. Do you think the last thing they want to do is look down and see some fucking dad bod pounding on them? <laughs> I mean, I'm not, you know, I'm not lying that, you know, there is a way that you can make yourself seem attractive to women in older age, but it's to do with money and power. You know, it is like a, it's like some kind of potion for women. Do you know what I mean? That can just make them look at you and just not see your jowls kind of flapping in the wind or just like, <laughs> you know, that awful look. I mean, have you ever have you ever caught an image like a sight of yourself having sex? It's just it's almost like, you know, when you check your bank balance and <laughs> and the reality of how overdrawn you are is just that bit worse than even your most pessimistic projection. You just say, is that me? And then you're just like caught between dismay and gratitude that your wife would just have sex with whatever it is you've become. <laughs> I think women are a bit pity themselves a bit, you know, because, yeah, there's this 1% of men with power and money that can do that, arguably, right? They can afford divorces. You know what I mean? They can get back out there in the market. They can get some starry-eyed young woman that just wants to be bought nice things. Yes, but that is a tiny amount of people. And often those blokes have got more time to look at... What they mean by that is George Clooney could fuck... <laughs> fuck who he wants up until he's 80 probably and but that is not the truth for most men and you know women will say well you know as we as when we get older we, we, we become invisible and do you think do you, do you think young women are looking at me do you know what I mean do you think like a woman in her 20s if I if I'm in a car outside outside a nightclub that's emptying out and a woman just makes eye contact with me do you think that she thinks I'm there for any other reason than to pick somebody of her age group up because I'm their dad <laughs> Dad bod is not sexy for women, I'm sorry. I think that this is a myth started by men. It is, it's a myth started by men because it's one of those ones, it's up there with, you know, like uh, where the woman's like late in going into labour and there's that myth that if you have a curry or have sex, then it will start labour. That was clearly, both of those were started by men, weren't they? Because they just like curry and sex or or like <laughs> the only way you can make that more suspicious is if you go, yeah, if you just randomly give a very generous blowjob, that also can start labor don't get me wrong it's not i'm not saying there aren't redeeming features in in a dad bod that you know they're they're it might be you know re reassuringly paunchy right but it's all about the comparison if you you know you go then you put that up against a ripped fucking harry styles or zach efron you know women are just as visual as men when it comes to sex and attraction that's one of the big myths is that, that men are just these kind of like disgusting hounds which just all women have done is they've they've worked out that from a power play point of view it's best to play their cards closer to their chest right which is smart but you know the, the, the other variable though is that women the only thing is that is obviously the biological clock that kicks in for women in their mid to late 20s and then yeah yeah I mean, i've seen women make some serious fucking compromises then <laughs> they start compromising like people in a brexit deal they're like uh yeah yeah you know what fish where the fuck you want Okay, we've just got a couple of letters this week. Uh, this is from Mike in Kent. He says, I am the breadwinner, but I work within an industry that has benefited from COVID. I can see over... What, is that car insurance? I was, there's one thing I thought. You should ring your car insurer and go, uh, by the way, I ain't fucking driven anywhere this year. If you tr dare try <laughs> and increase my premium. Anyway, he says, uh, however, I can, so he's done well from COVID. He says, I can see over the hill 
that next year won't be as busy. I've been trying to explain this to my family. I speak to them, but their eyes glaze over and they tell me about other expensive things they want to do. How can I make them see the economic peril we are in? Well, fun time, Mike. Um, (laughs) How can I make my children realise how fucked things are? I know what you mean. I know what you mean. You know, whatever field of self-employed that you're in. And obviously, you know, a lot of full-time contracted jobs are precarious at the moment. Yeah, it's probably difficult, isn't it, for a lot of households? You know what I mean? Like they see mum still fucking, uh, still see mum on first name terms with the Amazon driver. You know, they can see that a lot of people haven't really felt these effects because they've been furloughed, they haven't had travel costs. There was a stat that people have saved 100 billion more this year. Savers. I think we should just... Tax whoever the fuck that is, okay? If you can put in away your money, put in, imagine like getting older and when your grandkids are asking you how you did, you go, well, yes, uh, did, so did pretty well out of the pandemic. <laughs> They're always winners and losers. But if, if, if this is a serious question. How can I make my children see the economic peril we are in? Well, I just start telling them bedtime stories about um, financial crashes and <laughs> how they work out. Just go... Tonight, we'll be talking about the credit crunch, kids. Yeah. In the early stage of the credit crunch, uh, a lot of people's mortgages went down. That's right. And a lot of petrol costs went down. But, oh, fast forward two years. Britain is on the brink of a double-dip recession. Oh, enter George Osborne with austerity. (laughs) Talk about the Wall Street crash. Do you know what I mean? Talk about the little kind of bump, the dead cat bounce that happens before things. Just, that'd be a nice little bedtime story. And with that, the New York City trader... Climbed out onto the window and jumped into the city night sky. <laughs> Got one more letter here. This is from Craig in Scotland. You SMP Craig. He says, I've been with my wife 14 years. I've got to do this in Scottish accent. I've been with my wife 14 years. I'm doing this badly, by the way, just to annoy Scottish people. Every year is taken for granted. She spends roughly three times what she spends on me. I think he said that wrong. She spends on me... Uh, it sounds like you spend three times on her what she does on you. Okay. This year, I'm going to expend exactly what she spent on me last year. How do you see this playing out? Well, Craig, I think you know. I think that's why you're asking the question. I think that it almost sounds like when you had the idea, you got such a fucking adrenaline rush from the how dangerous this was. <laughs> like giving an honest answer about how your wife looks in her new jeans. Do I look all right in this? Ah, yeah, you look okay. Um, I I think that's an incredible move. Yeah, I mean, like, why is it? I think that's quite common, isn't it? That blokes spend roughly double to three times on their wives what their wives spend on them. Um, yeah, just give it a go. Give it a go. Because what will happen is, it depends when you're going to tell her. You got, I mean, if you're going to tell her on Christmas Day where she opens it up, she's expecting, you know, whatever it is. I don't know. What what are you spending? She, what, she, she, she lobbing you like 40 quid. You're lobbing her 120. Maybe so she's getting a nice pair of earrings. And she looks in and she sees those earrings you're getting her this year. Do you know what I mean? Like she's always she already saw them in the Argos. <laughs> and then you explain yourself. Well, have a fantastic Christmas that day, Craig. When she goes, um, what's going on with this? Or, or she's been a bit funny with you. She won't tell you immediately. She'll, she'll let you. You're right, babe. You're right. No, it's, it's fine. It's just um, just uh, these these earrings. She won't be able to say these earrings are cheap as fuck. So. These things aren't really my style. I'm just surprised at that, you know, that you don't know me ever still after all these years. And then, so she's already pissed off you. You go, well, the thing is, is uh, what I've done is I've kind of uh, <laughs> rubbed your nose in it a wee bit this year, babe. 
because uh, you've been taking the piss for a long time. <laughs> oh, please tell me that you're going to do this. Because if you're going to do this, man, I will, I will sack off my own family Christmas and I will live stream the chaos that unfolds in your house. Okay, that is the end of the podcast for this week. I got one out. <laughs> I got one out. I got, can I just tell you another little name drop Jeremy Clarkson thing was, uh, he just did a joke. I don't know if it was like, like a, so the photographer at the end of the shoot was uh, just said, okay, Jeremy, if you could just stay on set for a sec, I just want to uh, take a photo of you. And he went, sure, sure. He went, cock out or cock in? <laughs> just so it's hilarious. I'm so going to be stealing that for family photos. Uh, we got a few more patrons, three pound patrons to welcome. They are Greg Cobb. Greg Cobb, Mr. Cobb. Sound like a fucking porn star there, mate. Is that what it's like? Like a weird corn on the cob, ridged. <laughs> and we've uh, we got Ian Stevenson. Uh, Ian, man, I'm sure you're a cool rock and roll dude, but that is the most middle manager name I think I've ever heard in my life. I think you work for Sun Life Life Insurance. Um, so we've got reviews this week. Andy, Andy, five-star review on iTunes. I'll definitely read it out. So it's Andy. Just figured out how to rate shows and went straight to yours. Keep her lit. Keep her lit. Did I use a bit of slang last week? I, I can't use that sort of slang. Uh, Derek Sharkey, uh, fantastic podcast, a weekly relief from all the excess, incessant wokeness and mainstream media. Great guests. Jeff, unlike mainstream media, is happy to discuss ideas from a wide range of the spectrum. Keep it up. Derek, the Tory teacher from Scotland. Fucking hell, Derek. Jesus Christ, you must be living a very sinister double life there. Going into the staff room, hiding your telegraph down your kecks. Um, this is from Alan and this is another five star review and he quotes something that Ella Whelan says and Ella Whelan was quoted something that Claire Fox was saying but he says wow politics have moved but I haven't I'm going to get that tattooed on my forehead great show um, this is says this is from Lord of the Reeves. It says best podcast theme music ever. Explain, Jeff. Well, there's a guy called Steve Shanyaski who's not only a brilliant stand-up comic, but he also produces music under the name Sub Diffuse. And if you need original music for anything, give me a shout. What most people think UK at gmail.com, and I'll obviously get in there and take fifteen percent. <laughs> I'm joking. I'll hook you guys up. He's brilliant, man. I just gave him the very loosest idea of what I wanted, and he come up with all those little things that you hear week in week out. Uh, this is from Cambridge student. So I'll, I'll read this like uh, the poshest I can imagine. Really enjoy Jeffy's week. Articulates ideas succinctly and has a consistently central take, which is increasingly outrageous. The island of sensible in a sea of woke media. I'm only giving him a review now because he didn't get one last week and seemed genuinely sad about it. Love from London. Will. Uh, this is from NRE. Great work, Jeff. An ad-free breath of fresh air. I mean, yeah, this would be the point now in the podcast where there would be an advert. Halfway through this, <laughs> halfway through a sentence, it's like, ding, dong, ding. Hi, I'm Jeff Norcott. And this year, to help me keep up to date with my presence, I'm using a great new app called Shitbox. That's right. Shitbox is a way of keeping track of which shitty boxes you've got to dispatch all over the country this year. Shitbox. Ding, ding, ding. So that would have happened now, wouldn't it? So the Patreon community, keep it ad-free. This is from, well, it's one of those weird collection of letters, so it has to be read. Oh, no, it's from Greg C., had to leave another five-star review just to stop you throwing your toys out of the pram again for not having any new ones to read out. Greg C. Well, thank you, Greg. Thank you for falling into my trap. Um, this is from Emerald Emmy Webb. Oh, this is uh, 
says, no, you didn't read out my review last week, Jeff. This is it. Okay, so it says a smart, unrefreshing, unrefreshing, sorry, a smart, refreshing dose of weekly wisdom that's unfailingly funny above all. Jeff just grasped 2020 Britain as it's actually lived in a way that the woke comics can't, don't and won't. He's like your funniest mate if they were actually as funny as they think they are. Clued up but light touch clever. <laughs> Is light touch clever the most backhanded? Do you know, I'm liking these compliments, man. I might even start... Well, you know, I'm starting to get around here. Uh, it's, it says, an encouragement to everyone who wants to have their say but is scared to pipe up. Oh, and it says here, black country loves you, mate, even if you can't do the accent. Well, look, if I was getting aroused reading it, the black country accent is away. Well, it's a cold shower of an accent, isn't it? I'm sure yours is beautiful, though, Emmy Webb. Uh, this is from May Britt. I enjoy listening to Jeff. Is he very cleverly exposing, exposing his left-wing interviewees? However, I don't really care too much for the class analysis. Oh. After 30 years of grammar schools and taxation, the system has pretty much broken down. But now global capitalism and oligarchy has brought peasantry back. Well, mate, I would love to pretend that I am clever enough to know what that meant. So let's just, I'm just, if you can imagine me uh, scratching my beard. And like I say, thank you very much for listening to the podcast. Uh, Buy tickets for the tour. So, you know, if you are lucky enough to be in one of the tiers where you can go out, just do your duty, man. Go out, get substantial meals, eat those pork pies, go to a posh pub, eat what's the, I don't know what the equivalent of pork pies is in a, it's not it's scotch eggs, it's calamari. Just get shitloads of calamari, eat, drink alcohol to the point where you're so fucking fat, you've actually put yourself in an at-risk group. Take that, government. Okay, okay, okay.